Hi friends, Gerald Law here. Welcome to the Love Lake Norman podcast. Love Lake Norman is a church in Cornelius, North Carolina, whose mission is to help people find and follow Jesus. You're about to hear a message that will be helpful and hopeful. Our goal is to encourage you to take the next step in your faith. Wherever you are, we want you to know that God has a plan and a purpose for you. Thanks for spending time with us today. We hope you enjoy this message. Welcome to week one of our series called A Gentle Answer. In 2014, Slate Magazine released a series of essays called The Year of Outrage, and they described it like this. From righteous fury to faux indignation, everything we get mad about and how outrage has taken over our lives. Here were some of the titles of the essays. The Outrage Project, The Life Cycle of Outrage, What Outrage Means, The Year in Liberal Outrage, The Year in Conservative Outrage, My Favorite One, How Outrage Changed My Life. There are apparently a lot of things to get upset about. In our current culture, Outrage is more expected than unexpected. It's more encouraged than discouraged. It's more rewarded than rejected. The truth is that not only do we live in a culture of outrage, but outrage sells. For our generation, outrage has been commodified. Hate has been turned into an asset. And the idea of being for something is out. It's about what you're against. And that's actually a great way to build a Twitter following or get more Instagram likes or YouTube video views. Be controversial. Be outraged. That's how people gain followers and fans and build a platform and even earn some money. That's why stories of treating somebody with gentleness, the opposite of outrage, are so rare and so interesting right now. A comedian on Saturday Night Live named Pete Davidson, he made, a, he made fun of Congressman Dan Crenshaw's eye patch a few years ago. He took a dig at somebody with political views that are different than his. Crenshaw had lost his eye serving in the military as a Navy SEAL. And there was this huge public backlash against Davidson and he fell into this deep depression, even at one point contemplating taking his own life. And Crenshaw could have jumped on that outrage train like everybody else, or he didn't, could have just ignored it and said, well, that serves him right. But instead, he reached out, he connected with Davidson personally, he spoke some life-giving words into him, he told him that God had a purpose for him, and he encouraged him to, to live that way. Instead of putting him on blast, he befriended Davidson. And the next thing you know, they're doing a segment on Saturday Night Live together, and when Davidson thought that they were off air, he leaned over and he whispered to Crenshaw in his ear, you're a good man. Now, now things like that are striking because they're so rare. Gentleness in the face of outrage. Even the word gentle for a lot of us sounds, let's face it, weak. It's like something that you talk about with like little lambs and kittens and other baby animals. Or you might say, well, it sounds great, but it's naive. If that's you, I think you're gonna discover that you just might have the wrong definition of gentleness. This is a timely series. It's appropriate for us right now. We're drawing from a book by a guy named Scott Sauls called A Gentle Answer, and we're doing what he did in the book, which I would recommend picking this up. But we are digging down to figure out what the, the fundamental scripture passage from Proverbs means. Proverbs 15:1 says this, a gentle answer turns away wrath. Now, if you follow Christ, or even if you wouldn't say that you do, at least not yet, we all agree that something in our world has to change, that things have gone off the rails when it comes to anger, and it seems to be getting worse and worse. But here's some good news. 
If you're a Christian, you've been given a resource that allows you to respond to outrage and wrath in ways that are actually productive and healing and life-giving. Now, here's the key. We can only respond with gentleness because we've been treated with gentleness first. It's a learned behavior, but it's more caught than taught. And the only way you, you catch something is by getting up close to the person who has it. Those are not great words these days because it sounds like I'm talking about a virus, which is why we're still only online right now. Not for much longer, but only online right now. But, but great words when it comes to something like gentleness. It's more caught than it is taught. And the reason we can even think about offering gentleness in a world of outrage is because Jesus offered gentleness to us first. In fact, one of the incredible things about Jesus was the people that he chose to focus on and lift up. Not the important people, the VIPs of the day, the people who sat at heads of tables and, and the people who everybody held up in the marketplace or in the temple was important. No, Jesus turned his attention to those who were ignored and mistreated and discarded and even despised, and he would tell them what no one else would. You matter. This even went for people like tax collectors, like a man named Zacchaeus, a man who had used his position of power to take money that wasn't his, a man who was hated and outcast from society because of that, but a man who was also curious about this guy named Jesus. And so the story I wanna share with you today comes from the book of Luke chapter 19, and it goes like this. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A, a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. And so he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When, when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. And so he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and they began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and he said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times that amount. And Jesus said to him today, Salvation has come to this house because of this man too. He's a son of Abraham for the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. Now Zacchaeus was not normally treated like that. In fact, he was one of those who demanded the most outrage. He'd done things that, that people, that most others had not even done. He didn't deserve this kind of grace. The people knew it, he knew it, but Jesus didn't care what other people thought about him. He wasn't worried about how it would look if he had dinner at the house of a guy like Zacchaeus. He looked at Zacchaeus and he, he didn't see a tax collector or a cheater or a scam artist or a liar or a thief. That was what other people saw. No, 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 Jesus looked at him and he saw him for what he truly was, a child of God who needed him. So Jesus shows him what no one else would. Jesus shows him kindness. He offers him gentleness. Jesus befriended Zacchaeus. Now, Christianity, you got to understand, doesn't see a difference between good people and bad people. It sees a difference between humble people and proud people. James chapter 4 says, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. You know, we're not that different than Zacchaeus, really. We all have scars in our past. We all have sin that we try to sweep under the rug and ignore, and we're all tempted to point the finger at others rather than ourselves. 
But, but Jesus treats us how he treats Zacchaeus. Jesus befriends the sinner in us. That's how he shows Zacchaeus and us his gentleness. He befriends the sinner in us. He comes to Zacchaeus' house, but, but that's not just an invitation for him to stay like he was. In fact, Jesus' presence in Zacchaeus' house does something profound in him. It changes him. Did you catch that? Zacchaeus stands up and he says, today I'm going to share what I have with the poor and I'm paying back people that I've cheated four times more than I owe them. Scott Sauls says it like this. He says he, he is not our consultant or our advisor. Jesus is not our personal assistant. He is our Lord. He has come to save us and in saving us to rearrange our furniture, to turn our house into his house, to become the interior and exterior designer of our lives for the rest of our lives. Jesus befriends the sinner in us so that he can change us from the inside out. And there's another way that Jesus shows his gentle to us too, gentleness to us too. You notice how the people begin to mutter. He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. It's interesting to me that Luke, who was writing this, says people and not just Pharisees who were the religious leaders in the synagogue. I think it's because he knows something that's universally true, that we all have some Pharisee in us, every single one of us. I would much rather be the critic than the one who is critiqued. I would much rather be the complainer than the one who is complained about. I would much rather be the judge than the one on trial. Wouldn't, wouldn't you? Like, wouldn't we all? For those of us who are Pharisees, or at least have a little Pharisee in us, the truth is this. You need to change. You can't be a Pharisee and be generous. You can't be a, a judge and grow in your love for God and people. You can't be a Pharisee and be gentle. The good news, though, is that Jesus came, even for those of us who are Pharisees, Jesus befriends the sinner in us, but not only does he do that, Jesus reforms the Pharisee in us. His hope for the Pharisees he came into contact with, like those who were no doubt listening in on his conversation with Zacchaeus, is that his strong words towards them would shake them loose. It would rattle them loose of centuries of prideful behavior so that they could finally see Jesus clearly and see themselves change as a result. He didn't just come to condemn them. He wanted to change them. And when you come into contact with the real Jesus, you can't help but be challenged and ultimately changed. Jesus' work in us is to reform us from a Pharisee to a love-filled, joy-filled, forgiven follower. And then there's one more way that Jesus shows his gentleness to us. Jesus disarms the cynic in us. We, we live in a cynical world, in a, a world that disciples us to be cynics. We, we question whether what is true is really true or not. We have people even who come to, to love Lake Norman that are, that are nibbling around the edges of faith and they're exploring Jesus. And truthfully, sometimes people resist following Jesus because they know he's all about forgiveness. And if they follow him, they'll have to forgive people in their lives too, and, and they're not sure that they can actually do that because of what someone has done to them in their past. For some, the church has not been a place of love and forgiveness at all. It's been a place of pain and of judgment, and, and so the overwhelming feeling sometimes is, if I have to be a part of a church to follow Jesus, count me out. You may feel cynical right now when it comes to all of this Christianity stuff. Some of us feel we have a lot of reason to keep our distance from God. And you know, a lot of people in the Bible felt that way too. 
Zacchaeus had a bunch of friends who did for sure. I just want to remind you of what Jesus did with Zacchaeus. Verse 5, it says that when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up. Zacchaeus had climbed a tree because he was short, and so he'd gone out of his way to see this guy, Jesus, he'd heard all about. But he had to be thinking, is this guy for real? Is what, what they say about him really true? I mean, I know he cares about all these people below me, these hardworking people that are honest on the ground, but does he really care about me? And Jesus stopped, and he looked up into the tree, and he saw Zacchaeus. And in a moment, all of the cynical thoughts of resistance that Zacchaeus had melted away. He sees you too. I mean, he really sees you. He knows you inside and out. He knows your thoughts, your desires, your dreams. He knows your mistakes, your sin, your your hang-ups. He knows what you've done on your worst days. He sees you and he loves you anyway. You know, by seeing us, he looks past our outer shell, that this facade that we put up, and by seeing us for who we really are, here's what's true. Jesus sees the worst in us, and and that sounds a little bit like Santa Claus, like he sees you when you're sleeping, he knows when you're awake, that's kind of creepy. You know the song. This is more than that, though. It's deeper and much more profound than that. He sees what we lack. He knows what we're missing, and the beauty of Jesus is this, he doesn't turn away. Because not only does he see the worst in us, Jesus sees the best in us. He sees not only who you are, but who you can be. He sees not only your past without him, but your future with him. He sees you and he says, you can be forgiven and empowered and redeemed and and you're not made to be like the world. You're created to love people how I love them and now let's do that together. If we want to have a gentle answer for our world, we first need to understand that Jesus has treated us with ultimate gentleness. He befriends the sinner in us. He reforms the Pharisee in us. He disarms the cynic in us. So let me give you a few questions here to to consider today. First, are you ready to search for the real Jesus And then, what's one way that you've been a Pharisee that you're ready to let go of today? What's one way? And finally, do you believe that Jesus sees you the way that he saw Zacchaeus? You know, he's treated us with undeserved gentleness. And from there, we can really turn our attention to how to treat others around us with that same gentleness. And so next week, we're going to begin to discover how we can lavish gentleness on a world filled with outrage. Let's pray. God, you could have treated us in so many different ways and yet you chose to come to this world with gentleness, with kindness, with compassion. And that showed strength, such strength, Father, not weakness. Right now we live in a culture full of hate and pain and outrage Would you help us to turn that back into gentleness in our own lives, to receive the gentleness that you've offered to us in the form of a relationship with you, and then to understand that we don't have to respond how everyone else around us seems to be doing. We can respond the way you want us to, with gentleness, with love, with kindness, and compassion. Would you help us to do that 
individually, God, would you also help us to be that as a church? We pray this in the incredible name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks again for listening. You can find out more about Love Lake Norman at lovelkn.org. If you live in our area, we would love to have you join us on Sunday. If you're not near our church, we want to encourage you to find a life-giving church to be a part of where you live. That will be a key next step on your spiritual journey. Please take a minute, subscribe to this podcast, and keep up to date with our weekly messages. And thanks again for joining the Love Lake Norman podcast.